Good morning. Good morning. Good. Thank you. My name is JD. I'm one of the pastors here. Really thankful that you are here uh, this morning. Uh, we are continuing our series in the book of Philippians. Uh, so you can go ahead and begin to turn there, Philippians chapter 4. If you do not have a Bible of your own, feel free to grab one up underneath the uh, a seat under you or the seat in front of you and uh, turn to page 923, 923 in that Bible if you, uh, if you need one. And so I recommend uh, following along with us in the scriptures, whether you have a device or a, a phone, but also just uh, uh, grab one of those Bibles around you. The, the, the questions I want to ask this morning as I begin is this, would you consider yourself someone who is prone to worry? Are you, are you prone to worry? Are you prone towards anxiousness when trials and tribulations come? The definition of worry is to give way to anxiety or unease. To allow one's mind to dwell on difficulty or troubles. A 2006 study of Dr. Walter Cavert, a psychologist, found that 40% of the things we worry about never happen. 30% of our worries concern the past. 12% is needless worries about our health. 10% are insignificant or petty. And only 8% are legitimate issues. This means that 92% of our worry is over things that won't happen or things we cannot change. But yet, if I got a, a raise of hands of those who are prone to worry, my guess is that the high percentage of us would raise our hands, even though it's an exercise, for the most part, in futility. The main idea of Philippians as we have stated, as we've walked through this book, is to pursue gospel-centered unity for gospel advancement in all circumstances to glorify God. So pursue gospel-centered unity for gospel advancement in all circumstances to glorify God. But what if the circumstances are not optimal? What if my circumstances are not good? What if I look around and things seem really uneasy and anxious and cause me to worry? What if there's disunity or worry or no desire to rejoice or praise God? What do I do in those circumstances? How do we glorify God if our hearts are filled with thoughts of worry and anxiousness? So the question that we must consider this morning is how do we find peace in a world set towards, chain, uh, set towards chaos and disorder that lead us to worry? How do we find peace in a world set towards chaos and disorder that leads us to worry in the first place? Philippians 4, verse 2 and we'll read through verse 9. I entreat Euodia, and I entreat Syntyche, 
to agree in the Lord. Yes, I also, true companion, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together, with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and, and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, this is your word for us this day. We look around and we see the chaos that is around us, the disunity that is going on amongst us in our churches and inside the world. We don't know what to do with it, so we're prone to worry, we're prone to grow anxious. So Lord, I pray that you would help us through your word now to see a better way. To see a way that helps the Christian thrive in the midst of ungodliness. I pray that you would help us to illuminate our hearts this morning, that your spirit would speak through me to us, a gathered people. In Jesus' name we humbly pray. Amen. How do we find the peace of God from the God of peace? How do we find the peace of God from the God of peace? Five things I think that Paul is, as he's talking to the church in Philippi, tells us we can do how we can do this. So finding peace of God from the God of peace, we should, first of all, agree in the Lord. We need, we should agree in the Lord. So verse 2, I entreat you, Odia, and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. And so we, we see this phrase, in the Lord, and we go, well, what does it mean to agree in the Lord? Or as we get to the end of verse 7, that God, the peace of God will, will help us, it will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. So we see this and we go, well, how do I do that in the Lord? How do I, how do, I do that in Christ Jesus? What does this mean? Well, thankfully, there's a, there's a passage in Scripture in Galatians I'm going to read for us that actually describes exactly what this means. Galatians 3, 26 through 28 says this, In Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. So that in Christ Jesus, that we are children, those who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you are now adopted, grafted into the family of God, and you are His children. So now you are in Christ. 
for all of you, all Christians for all time, who were baptized into Christ Jesus. That means you have died with Him. That means you no longer live for yourself, but you live now for Christ. That's what it means to be in the Lord. That's what it means to be in Christ Jesus. You have clothed yourself with Christ. You now identify, not as an unbeliever, not as someone who is in the world, but you now identify with someone who is in Christ. The death and burial and resurrection of the one of, of, of Jesus. And there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So we see a unity that happens when we, when, when we unite with Christ. We are now in Him, and we now fellowship, and we are now one together in Christ, moving in the same direction, fellowshipping with one another, worshiping God with one another as we gather here and other places on Sunday mornings and throughout the week that we would agree in the Lord. That there's a unity that binds us together by being in Christ Jesus. So to be in Christ means that we have accepted His sacrifice, Jesus' sacrifice, as payment for our own sin. Colossians says it this way, For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Your life is hidden with Christ. You have died to yourself. Paul spends a lot of time in the book of Philippians talking about how we are prone towards selfish ambition. We are prone to fulfilling our own selfish desires. And over and over and over again, he reminds us to look towards Christ. That we would have the same mind as Christ. That we would identify ourselves in our union with Christ. That we are united with Him in a way that, is, that, that sets us apart from the rest of the world. Only in Christ, our sin debt is canceled. Our relationship with God is restored through Christ. And our eternity is secured because of Him. So when Paul says to the church in Philippi, specifically to Syntyche and Euodia, that I entreat you to agree in the Lord, he is saying that I treat you to, to lay down your selfish ambition. To, to lay down your pride. And to think about the unity of what is happening. The, the unity that is in Christ for us. So look at verse 3. Yes, I also ask you, I, yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women. They have labored side by side with me in the gospel. These are probably influential women in the church. They have labored side by side with Paul in his mission and in establishing his church in Philippi. Together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. This tells us that Euodia and Syntyche aren't just, aren't just outside the church and that that, that now we, we should bring them in and we should agree in the Lord with them. No, these were two ladies who were in the church. 
And they were disagreeing in such a way that it was actually bringing disunity to the church in Philippi. And Paul spends most of his book speaking directly to what is happening, to bring about unity around one central thing. And that is the gospel. That is identifying yourself with Christ Jesus. That we would, we would not look to, that we would not look to ourselves and, and, and the things that we desire and cause disunity and discord in those things. No, we would look to Christ and we would agree in those things. It does not mean that Christians can uh, that Christians can't disagree. Because we can. We can disagree over secondary issues. I can ask Chapman, hey Chapman, do you like the color of this carpet? He can say, no, I actually hate it. You know what I can say? I don't care. It is what it is. Right? And we can disagree over those things, but we're not going to cause disunity in the church over those things. We're not going to, we're not going to disagree. We can disagree over those secondary issues because they are not primary. What is primary is who God is. We believe in a triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and we believe in a salvation that comes only through Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We believe these things that are primary, that are set apart, that we will split over, but not these secondary issues. And so there's something obviously happened that they would agree in the Lord, that they would unify around the gospel. And that they would seek to do this. That they would not disunify the church. So the call for us is that we would unify around the right things that Paul has been encouraging the church of Philippi to, 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 to unify around. That they would agree in, in the good news of the gospel and that would be the thing that would help them to, to agree on everything else in turn. And that their disagreements would not be over secondary issues. There's times we have to come in and we help labor side by side and, uh, with people in the gospel. And we help our fellow workers whose names are written in the book of life to remember the main things in regards to the gospel. So one way that we have the peace of God, from the peace, from the God of peace, is that we would unify ourselves around the right things, around the gospel. The second thing that we would do is that we, we, we would rejoice in the Lord always. That we would rejoice in the Lord always. If we are rejoicing all the time, if we find ourselves rejoicing always, guess what we have less time to do? Worry. Be anxious. When we are constantly rejoicing, even in difficult situations, people take notice and it becomes known to everyone. So look at me, look at me in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, he doubles down on it. I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness, your gentleness be known to everyone. 
for the Lord is at hand. Listen, I need you to hear me on this. Rejoicing is not just a good suggestion. It's not just a good suggestion that we should do. Rejoicing is a command. It is a command. It is one of the fruits of the Spirit that we would find joy in all things. And that we would rejoice. We can rejoice always because of our salvation through Jesus Christ. Who endured the cross with joy that we would be able to rejoice in all things. So how are we able to rejoice? We rejoice that, that I don't have to do it myself. That I don't have to pull myself up by my bootstraps when things get difficult. Or I don't have to figure out how to make a way forward when I begin to worry. Because Christ has already done the work that I cannot do. And I trust in Him and His salvation and His work on the cross. And His joy that He endured it with. So that way we would be able to rejoice in these things. Joy is a mark of every Christian. So you should ask yourself, do I rejoice always? Do I constantly find myself rejoicing in all circumstances? It is a command for the Christian. Because here's what I know. I know Satan is a liar. And he will work to convince us that we should be anxious over things that we cannot control. Or anxious over things we can control but don't need to. We need to learn to rejoice in all situations. Because of the common salvation that we all have in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. The Lord is at hand. The Bible says that life is like a vapor. Here today and gone tomorrow. That it's like a flower quickly fading. It is so brief, this life. So the reminder that the Lord is at hand is a reminder that the Lord is near. That this life lasts only but a moment. And we will either... We will either leave this world and enter into His presence or He will one day come back before that time can happen. But The Lord is at hand. The Lord is near. His time will come before we have to stand before Him and give an account for our lives. How would you want Him to find you? Would you want Him to find you worrying about the things that you can't control? that you don't needlessly need to worry about? Or would you want Him to find you rejoicing? Rejoicing in what He has done for you, a, a debt that He has paid for you. So we can rejoice here this morning that we have this salvation from Christ Jesus. So we rejoice. Rejoice always in the Lord. The third thing is this. We need to pray specifically for what is causing anxiousness. We need to pray specifically for what is causing anxiousness. What he says here, verse 6. 
Do not be anxious about anything. Now, what does anything mean? I would think it means all things. But do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. I don't know about you, but oftentimes when things get difficult and hard, my first response is not to go to pray. Should be. But when things get hard and difficult, many times I'm prone to look around and see I can solve the problem. Right? Any other problem solvers in here? I'm a problem solver. Like I want to solve that problem immediately. I want to take care of it. I want to get rid of it. I want to figure out how to make it go away. What's all the things that I can do to make this thing just go away? And I don't go in everything by prayer. Which means I don't go to the Lord in adoration and worship. I don't bring to the Lord my supplication, which means sharing with God my needs and my problems. I oftentimes, in times of trial and struggle, even though I should find joy in them because they build perseverance and endurance, James tells us, I don't oftentimes come with thanksgiving. Which means that we should be giving thanks to God in all circumstances. But we must. But we must pray about everything. Even the things that we think are mundane and, and, and seem like no big deal, we should pray about those things because what I know is the small things that become small worries, that are small worries right now, give it a week and it'll be this big, heavy burden that will be weighing on you. So we pray. We, we don't allow those small worries to take root. No, we bow on bended knee and we pray to a God with adoration and worship. Asking Him to remove this problem or help you to see a better way. Trusting Him, giving thanks to Him for whatever it is that you're struggling with, that it would build endurance and perseverance in you. That we would not be anxious about anything. we need to be in the right frame of mind. Why? Because when we pray and we're not anxious and we, we bow our knee to the Lord, we get verse 7. We get to see the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. We don't even know how. We'll guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Man, that when we, when we go to the Lord in prayer, that when we just turn over our worries and our anxieties, and when we don't dwell on them as the definition of worry says, that when we come and we bring our anxieties to Him and pray and, and give Him supplication and thanksgiving request made to Him over these things, now, there's a peace that comes from God that we don't even understand. 
that we can't even wrap our minds around in that moment. And that, that, that peace that comes from God, it guards our hearts. It guards our minds against, against thinking about things and dwelling on things that are not profitable. Whether it's money or finances, or, or same, uh, money, finances, kids, no matter what it is that we are worried about in this life, jobs, viruses, that the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts in our minds and our minds in those moments because of our union with Christ. It brings about a peace of God that goes beyond understanding. There's a fourth thing here. My fourth point is this. How can we have the peace of God? It comes from the God of peace. Is that we must think about, we must dwell on the right things. We must think about the right things. What is this? What are these things? That's a good question. Verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these So we've already talked about dwelling on agreeing in the Lord, that our union with Christ causes us to agree in the Lord and our common salvation and right doctrine. That there's a call for us to rejoice in the midst of our worry and anxiety because the Lord is at hand. There's a a call for us to, to pray when things get hard instead of trusting in and of ourselves uh, and through ourselves to pull, pull, us up, pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. But we also must think and dwell on the things that are good and godly and right. And what are those things? You, you, you focus on what is true. What is true? God is true. The Spirit of God is true. His Word is truth. So, man, I don't know what to do. I don't... I have this thing that's coming up. I have this, this, this causing me anxiety. I don't know what to do with this thing. Where do I turn? What do I do? You turn to His Word. Why? Because His Word is true. I don't know about you, but there's lots of opinions from the outside about what is true. Or, the other side is, there's no absolute truth, right? To which you would say, are you absolutely sure? This for the Christian. Our truth comes from His Word. So what is true? What is, what is honorable? What brings about not your honor, but what helps you to honor God in your walk with Christ? Whatever is just, whatever is right, whatever is good, whatever causes me to, to fight against whatever injustice is happening in the world, that thing is what I should focus on. 
whatever is pure, whatever sets me apart from the sin-filled world, what sin is rooted in my heart, what sin am I fighting with that I, that I need to cast off so that I can be pure before the Lord. Whatever is lovely and commendable. Focus on the things of excellence. Focus on praising God in the midst of our suffering and our trials and our worry and our anxiety. We think about these things. We dwell on these things. Because our propensity is to dwell on the things of this world. And Paul knows it. Paul knows it. So we must think about the right things. Isaiah 26.3 says this. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Why? Because he trusts in you. So how do I stay in perfect peace? By my mind staying on you. Why? How does my mind stay on Christ? And on the things of God, because I trust you. I don't trust me. I don't trust anything else in this world, but I'll put my trust in Christ, in God. That no matter how difficult things seem, no matter how stressful I get, no matter how much I worry and am anxious over things, that perfect peace can be mine if I stay, keep my mind stayed on God. Because the longer we spend thinking about things of this world, the more prone we are to set our hearts on things that are not from above. Our hearts and minds are actually pulled away from godly thinking and our propensity will then be to focus on worldly things, which guess what they cause? More worry more anxiety. How many of you are prone to watch the news? I don't. I don't. Because I find myself, when I watch the news, even, even a minute, anxious over things that I truly cannot control. It's good to be caught up on worldly things every now and then, on things happening in the world. Not worldly things, but things happening in the world. I get that. And so I'll tune into some, some specific things if something's happening. But one of the ways that I keep myself pure in this is that I abstain from that kind of worldly anxiousness. So I must think about the right things. Because if I watch the news or if I get on Facebook too much, I mean, I am just destined to think about wrong things. And instead of my mind staying on Christ and trusting in Him and His Word, I now begin to focus on the things that are happening around me that I can't control. And even the things that I can control, guess what? I still can't control. So we must think about the right things. We must think about these things that are true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and commendable and excellent 
and things that are worthy of praise. We must trust in a Heavenly Father who loves us, who sent His Son to die for us. One that, a God who promises that if you would put your faith and trust in Him, that He would remove your sin from as far as the east is to the west. That His blood would cover your sin and that the day of, uh, in, in the day of the Lord, in the day, when you stand before the Lord, and the, the Lord is at hand, He will say, because of Christ, well done, good and faithful servant. Not because of anything you did. Not because of anything you accomplished in this world. But because of His faithfulness to you. You can think about the right things. Those things that are excellent. And worthy of praise. And my fifth one is this. We must practice the right things. We must practice this. This takes practice. Verse 9. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Paul is saying. What you've learned from me. What you've received from me. What you've heard from me. And what you've seen in me. Practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. So not only do we need to think on the right things, we need to put this kind of thinking into practice. Paul writing to Timothy says this, Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, Timothy, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortate, uh, to the exhortation, to the teaching of Scripture. Do not neglect the gift you have, but practice these things. As we press toward the goal, as we press towards the prize that is found in Christ Jesus. We must follow the example of others who are, who are more mature than we are. And we must, we must learn from them. And that's what Paul is saying here. What you have learned from me, and received, and heard, and seen in me, you have to practice these things. So you have to you have to have you have to practice going to the word in a time of need, in a time of worry and anxiety. You have to practice these things that you would go to the Lord in prayer when things get difficult and when you're prone to worry and be anxious. That you must practice these things of focusing our minds' attention and our hearts' affections on on the right things that are godly and true and good. Some of us will learn and receive and hear and, 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 and see in someone how to practice these things. So maybe you're not good at reading your Bible as regularly as you should. Find someone who is and let them help you practice these things well.
Maybe you go, I don't, I don't really know how to pray. I don't know, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to pray. Why, how do I pray? Get someone to help you to practice these things. Why? So that the God of peace will be with you. That you're not prone to worry, that you're not prone towards anxiety, not being anxious over anything. But the God of peace will be with you as you practice these things. So as we close this morning, I know that there are a lot of things that are happening in our world today that are dividing uh, not only our world, but also our churches, Christians in this. This divisiveness causes us to feel anxious and frustrated, right? There's this anxiousness, there's this worry, there's this frustration over, over things that are happening either maybe in our government, maybe in our society, maybe even in our churches. You know, should I, should I have the vaccine? Should I not have the vaccine? What should, I, what should I do with this? Maybe you're even considering like whether or not this, this, uh, this vaccine is worth getting out of the military for. Maybe you're feeling the weight of some of that. And I, I know there's, there's been some of you who have reached out to us the elders of the church, to go, hey, I don't know, is this religious exemption? What is this? I don't necessarily want the vaccine, and this is weighing on you. And so if this is you, maybe you're, maybe you're dealing with this, and you're trying to figure out what to do, and worry, this worry is on you. I want to just encourage you just to see one of the elders in regards to this. Come and ask us. Let us sit down with you and help you just think through it. We're not just going to necessarily give you our opinion on whether it's right or wrong. I'll just help you think through what's best for you in this situation, just to kind of help you as you struggle with this decision. We want to remove this anxiousness from you. We want to help you to practice these things as you think about these things rightly. As we consider even that, this other thing that's kind of looming out there is Saturday, right? This coming Saturday is the 20th anniversary of 9-11. I don't know about you, but uh, I remember I was working at UPS in 2001, and I was delivering packages uh, to businesses, and I remember walking into a business and, and something happened, and everybody was watching TV, and I just remember going, hey, what's going on? Uh, and they said, man, somebody just, they just flew a plane into the, into the uh, World Trade Center. And I was like, man, that's crazy. So I kept delivering packages and kept moving, and I got to another stop about 15, 10, 15 minutes later and found out that now another plane had flown into a tower. And I remember, I remember feeling at first like fear. Like I just felt this fear of like, man, what, what is going on? This is not right. You know, but in the midst of working, like in the midst of UPS, you can't stop. You got to keep moving. In the midst of work, I'm just processing all this information. And it went from fear to, to frustration, then finding out that it was an act of terrorism, to anger, to sadness, to anxiety over what was next. Because the, the, the picture that was painted is that we're going to have to deal with this for eternity.
here on earth or for as long as we're, we, we're here on this world. And that causes anxiousness. And I just remember feeling, feeling that as I was thinking about this this week. And as I was feeling these emotions, I, I, I got to imagine for some of you that have been fighting this war and this battle, some of you for the last 20 years, some of you for the last 10, 5, whatever, how long it is, you've been fighting this battle that ended this week. And for some of you right now, there is anger and there's frustration. And there's anxiousness over what I should do. And how do I process this? And what do I do with this information? I, I lost soldiers there. I lost friends there. I lost family there. So what do I do with this? What do I do with this anxiousness? How do I process this? As we think about this Saturday. So my challenge to you this week, as we, as we consider this, is that you would focus your mind's attention and your heart's affection, your worship, on Christ as you rejoice in your salvation. That you would give way in prayer when worry starts to creep in, when frustration happens, when anger is looming. That you would focus on what is true and lovely and excellent. And then that you would begin to put this into practice daily. This is not easy. But it will transform your hearts and your minds because our propensity is for some of us to go inward, to absorb this, to be the understanding, to see what's happening on the news right now, knowing that we just lost some lives, and to worry and to be anxious and go inward and to try to process this by yourself. And I would say, don't do that. Don't do that. Reach out to someone. Reach out to a friend. Reach out to an elder. Reach out to another member in this church. And allow them to pray with you. Allow them to help you think about the right things. To practice these things well. Because we want your hearts transformed. Your minds to see the glory of God and the peace of God in all matters of your lives. And this kind of peace can only come from the God of peace who is with you in this fight against the sin of worry and anxiety. That you would focus on Christ. On those things that are excellent and worthy of your praise. And not on the things of this world, not governments that will fail you, not on anything else that happens in this world, but on Christ and Him crucified so that you may be glorified. Let me pray for us.
just wonder right now if you have your eyes closed and your heads bowed, if there's just a sin of worry and anxiety that you need to confess this morning to the Lord, that you would take this time, that you would take this time to just pray and allow for a, for a few moments of silence here to give you a moment to just pray about what it is that I'm prone to worry about, what I'm prone to be anxious about, and you would just take this moment to pray and ask God to help you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is truth. Lord, we thank you that you give us perfect peace through your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we know that there is an enemy that wants to see us struggle with this idea struggle with worry and anxiety and frustration and anger over things we can't control. But we know also, we trust that you are a God of peace. And that your desire for us is to trust in you above all things, to set our mind on the things that are above and not on the things of this world. Help us to do that today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As the musicians come, I just want to remind us that the good news of the gospel is available this morning. Today is the day of salvation, that if you have not confessed your sin to the Lord, that if you have not repented and turned away from that sin, and believed on the, on, on the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, that today is the day. That, that time is here and now for you this morning. That, that there's no reason to hesitate, that right in your seat, you can ask Jesus to do this for you.